Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now, on today's episode, we have with us Sairi Chahel, and she is the founder and CEO of a really interesting company in India called Shiro's. That's spelt as S-H-E-R-O-E-S, Shiro's.in. And it is essentially an online career destination for women where they provide a variety of resources, such as access to mentors and sponsors, learning resources, and a variety of other things. Um, What's really impressive about Shiro's is that they now have more than a million members on their portal and they've been around for less than four years so uh, very very impressive growth numbers and also what's really interesting at least for me is that instead of focusing only on full-time job opportunities Shiro's tries to address a lot of other use cases also so as an example let's say someone is looking for flexibility to be able to work from home or let's say someone has been out for maternity leave for a while and is now looking to get back into the workforce Shiro's actively tries to address those use cases so again a very interesting company and on today's episode Sari is going to be sharing with us her journey how she decided to start Shiro's the kind of decisions she took how she thinks about life overall uh, and she shares her thought process which I think Uh, will be very helpful. It was helpful for me and I hope it will be helpful for you. Uh, I do want to point out that the audio quality is not that good. One, we recorded this when Sari was in her office and I think there was some construction going on. So there are some construction noises in the background and her internet connection also wasn't that good, I think. So it's not that good in terms of audio quality, but you can still completely understand what she says. And I really do suggest bearing with the quality to listen to what she's saying because she shares a lot of really good insights. So I hope you enjoy today's discussion. And now, without further ado, let's welcome Shari. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, it's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. Really excited and love your podcast. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, your words mean a lot. Um, so yeah, let, let's just dive right into it, Sairi. Uh, although it's interesting. So today is a Saturday for you and you just came out of a meeting. So do you generally tend to work like sort of all through the week? Well, uh, so I love Saturdays because Saturdays are for my work and the company work. You know, invariably the week is spread out for client meetings and a lot of, you know, stuff that needs to get done outside and uh, a lot of things that are on the calendar. But Saturdays are great to sort of, one, meet people who you want to meet, uh, you know, with a uh, unintentional relationship, right? A lot of people from our community come by. Of course, a lot of hiring interviews happen because, mm. uh, you know, uh, it's an open day. We can sit and chat comfortably. And of course, um, you know, the team sort of also catches up. I catch up. And while while people don't need to come in, but a lot of us do end up coming to work and sort of, you know, find out mojo on Saturday. Uh, I, I love Saturdays because, you know, you can sort of really work at a leisurely pace and get a lot of things done meaningfully. That sounds really interesting. So it's sort of like the creative day as opposed to a, the more structured day, days that you have during the week and you can do anything you want, whatever interests you. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. It gives you a lot of, lot of scope and, you know, generally it's like a no pressure day. Um, and uh, also, um, you know, because we're a community, there, you know, there are deep relationships with our community. So a lot of women who want to come by, a lot of people we are talking to as partners. So it's a day for them, really, you know, and conversations yeah. and really yeah. agendaless conversations, too, if I may add. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it's really nice that you maintain a very tight relationship with your community, because I'm guessing that's one of the key reasons why it has grown so well in a very short period of time. Right. So yeah. I think the way we look at it is that, uh, you know, this is the first time we are, uh, we're putting this conversation out there, you know, we're imploring women and we're sort of working with them and supporting them around following their dreams and aspirations, doing something for them, you know, and if we can add a layer of personalization, if we can make it real, if we can, you know, have have a very strong layer of empathy, then it makes all the difference, hmm. you know, and, and even the way we are structured. So, in fact, our most unique experiment that I'm very proud of is our career helpline. So, we're on a 24-7 career helpline on our app. It's a chat-based support. It's, it's run by our team of counselors and coaches and uh, that really means that we've sort of become a window for women to call in you know as they navigate various life stages as they take their decisions uh think of it like a listening service that is very right? cool so, yeah so you know in a way i think uh, most people solve their own problems but we all need like a you know uh, somebody to bounce off our ideas or somebody to talk to and as women i think and as women in small town india a lot of of us don't have that room you know somehow our, our circle of friends and family just doesn't uh, have that bandwidth or that context or that relationship with us where we can talk about you know things that are on our mind things we want to achieve you know some barriers we want to break so we've sort of become like a you know port of call for that and 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 you know keeping an offline relationship with our community helps us do that so not only this way we run community meets in about six to seven cities every month we have Pune next week. We have Bangalore following week, uh, which means that women can get together in the room for a cup of chai and uh-huh. talk about what they want to do and yeah. talk within a you know secure, small support group. Yeah. And that's very different from any other format that exists out there. No, absolutely. This sounds very interesting. I should check out Shiro's a little bit more closely. But uh, before we talk more about Shiro's Sairi, I think in your case, I was looking at your profile and there's really so much that you've done. I mean, you've worked for a while. This is not the only company you've started. You've started a few companies before this. Uh, You've given TEDx talks. You've won so many awards. So I want to start from the beginning and really sort of your your origin story what was your childhood like it's helpful to understand where someone comes from that puts everything in context so right you grew up in india right yeah i grew up in india I actually grew up in small town india hmm. and i think the and basically various small towns in northern india so in a way i think the the, there were some common threads there, that they were all small middle class towns where aspirations and life was very different from where we are today. Uh, and my last school was in a place called Muzaffarnagar, which is uh, right. just about four hours drive from Delhi. But it's a very peculiar town uh, with its own, <laughs> own unique trait, you know. And I guess that was part of my shaping up. And and my my dad dad's a steel industry consultant, so we basically lived on steel plants, you know, for for most of our life. Oh, and what that meant was that if you were basically you had a lot of solitude, 
you know, and those were the days without internet and without cable TV and without, you know, any distractions and those, you you sort of recorded your tape records and books and sort of, you know, those were your friends. So uh, a lot of my childhood was spent with books, you know, mostly with with books and I I could read everything that was available, right from, you know, uh, labels on on medicine bottles to anything I could lay my hands on. That's yeah, and and I read, you know, I think uh, I I pretty much read through everything that was available, right, from steel industry manuals to Salman Rushdie to newspapers, and you know, because it was a small town and we were on a on a plant location, it was very hard for stuff to get there. Mm. You know, like a newspaper would come at eleven thirty. Right. You know, instead of 7, 7 a.m. Right. So, you know, things like that. Because somebody had to go to the city and fetch it. <laughs> right, know? right, so, right. So, you know, those things become part of you. But, but it was a very regular middle-class childhood, you know, in, in you know, 80s in India. But, and, uh, and resources weren't as open. You know, information wasn't as easily available. Uh, it was a very different life back then. No, absolutely. But I think you bring up a very good point, it's right? That point. as you grew up in that in that atmosphere and if you look at what you're doing today it, there is you clearly you saw what it what life was like there and now you want to help people who are over there because i mean of course you have so much more exposure now uh, yeah the the books that you read at that time do you any do you remember anything in particular that left a big impression on you i'm just trying to understand that uh what inspired you to get out of these you know the second tier cities and yeah. do something else Right. So I think two things, two threads are very, very common. One is I hung out with my dad a lot. You know, basically I was like, uh, you know, hanging out in his office. I would snoop work conversations. I would read his files. I mean, I was just curious. And that meant that I sort of developed an interest in, you know, some of that stuff. And uh, and I think by the time I was in class six or seven, I had made up my mind that I have to get out of here because, you know, nothing's going to happen here for me. And I need to sort of, you know, find bigger horizons. So I, I felt a little sort of, you know, contained in there, a little suffocated to say, hey, you know, this is it. I have to, I have to get out. So mm-hmm. once I finished my school, uh, my class 10th, I actually packed my bags and told my dad, I'm leaving. Like, <laughs> you know, so he was a little taken aback and uh, literally begged me to stay for another two years so that, you know, he could have some more time with me. But I did leave after two years and uh, it's been about two decades now, you know. Wow, so, yeah. so I knew the horizons outside are bigger. I would like to experiment. Uh, and I think somewhere the, the girl factor also mattered, you know. I mean, Muzaffar yeah. um, wasn't like the safest of all places. You could venture out alone. You always needed somebody to accompany you, you know. And overall, I guess, even now, I guess the status of women, you know, their access to resources, their voices. I mean, some stuff has changed, but, you know, there's still a lot that can change. So I guess my roots still go back there. And I know that uh, the template was very set. You know, this in in eighties the template for you know middle class children was to study, get a job, get married, and right. sort of you know stay within stay within the confines was the message, right? right? And I think now everything we do has a message of breaking out and yeah. custom fitting your success. Yeah. You know? So in a way, yes, I do feed it off there. But this is so commendable, right? Because uh, because. Especially in your case, I don't know if you had a frame of reference. You yourself, I mean, it's a big step to take, especially as you said, for a for a woman in India. I mean, 
I know second tier cities are not very safe, but even the the main cities like Delhi is not safe for women either. So for you to simply leave and you know venture out and see what would happen, that was a very very big step, very courageous step. Yes, and I think it just uh, yeah. I guess at that time there was no fear, and I think even now, I mean, I I particularly feel uh, decisions out of fear. Uh, you know, decision making out of fear is not the best way to go about things. It has to come from a place of you know. Uh, you know, positive approach. It has to come from a place of where you can see what this potentially can be, and I right. think I've been driven by that a lot. And and luckily, I've seen all of that translate. You know, a lot of what I have done, what I've aspired, or you know, a lot of my journey has been, you know, uh, been been a successful experiment in sort of just realizing that potential. Like I remember having a conversation with a friend, I think uh, in college, to say, where do you see yourself when you're thirty? So I was like, yeah, I would have my own business, and I had no idea, you know, what, how that would transpire. But it was just like an anchor in my head to say, hey, this is this is how it's it's going to roll. Hmm. No, absolutely. In fact, I was just reading uh, something this this morning about how there's a very famous designer who who does this class with the students where he asks them to write down a typical day in their life 10 years from now. And a lot of them wow. say that, you know, a lot of them have written back to him saying that, you know what, that has actually come true. It's very weird. But it's sort yeah, of similar. I totally believe in that. I just think you have to sort of, you know, Throw wishes in the universe, and then sort of, you know, then you know what to chase. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So you left, you, and I guess you came to Delhi then. Yes, I came to Delhi, and actually, uh, so I came to Delhi when I I was I hadn't turned eighteen. I I turned eighteen when I sort of reached campus. I went to JNU to study, hmm. and uh, I think from there, a couple of things happened. One, JNU was a liberal campus, so it was really, I think. It was a dream campus because it was just exactly what I had sort of, you know, what I had needed at that point. I just needed a bigger canvas. I needed openness. I needed, you know, you know, richer conversations. So that was one. And I think what also transpired from there was that uh, I started experimenting and working very early on. So I think by, by the time I was in my second year, I was already working, you know, and I was taking on projects and I was basically trying to, you know, be on my own. And it helped that, you know, I I I got a car. My dad had a spare car, which I sort of, you know, little, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. made my on. And yeah. that sort of became like wheels of freedom for me. And I really feel, I think, that whole combination of being on my own very early on and, yeah. and, and sort of being able to experiment and being able to do a lot of things. I, you know, so, uh, you know, let me narrate you yeah. a small incident. How I got the first project. Yeah. So you know, once uh, we were sitting in in the hostel common room, you know, the first room where everybody sits right. around. There's a telephone. People used to wait for phone calls in those days, you know. And yeah. I remember this gentleman walking in to say, "Hey, I've come from Ministry of External Affairs, and we're looking for somebody to teach Russian." So my graduation was in Russian language, and we're looking for somebody. And he come to put a poster in the hostel, hmm. and and you know, I saw him, and I just jumped up and I said. Hey, you know what? I could do this. You know, and I was still learning. I was still in my second year, so I hadn't finished my degree or anything. But you know, I was like, let me give this a shot. Uh, So it so happened that uh, you know there were a couple who were going to move to Moscow on on an assignment, and they needed to learn you know the basics of the language in the next three months or something. And I ended up teaching them, and that became my first job. That is such an interesting story. So I I I want to probe on that a little bit more. Uh, did you hesitate at all before you volunteered for this? Because 
you know, let's say you you got the job in which you did, right? But you didn't know the language that well. How would you teach it? Right. So actually, I knew I was learning myself. So I just sort of, you know, uh, so I think uh, this is what Richard Branson also says, right? So you get the opportunity and then you give it your best shot. Yeah, yeah. Put your hand up, right? So I. I don't think I was scared when I was putting my hand up. I think for, to me it was just a sense of excitement. It's like another challenge. It's like a gaming challenge. You 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 know keep crossing your levels. And I did end up teaching them. They did really well. They moved. They stayed in touch with me. And of course this meant that you know I I I must have prepped and sort of you know got got the whole structure ready. Right. And it did help me in my own own classwork, right? So basically you know a little a little stepping up was all I needed to do. Yeah. And and fun, right? And once you done one challenge then you are confident to do the next one and the next one right so and i guess we all need little wins you know and even in our career journeys i just feel it's the same formula little wins every day you know little wins every with every assignment and they keep adding up you know so there's no one big massive success you know no none, none of us are going to be you know, presidents yeah. or you know like <laughs> no. CEOs of fortune companies but we can do small wins for us right 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 no i i think this is a very very important message which is that you know it's a lot of people hesitate you're like hey i don't know if i can do this i'm not sure there's a there's a very strong fear of failure but it's as you're saying it's just that initial small win that you need in fact once you volunteer then you're going to figure it out anyway so you just have to get over yeah. that initial hesitation and that's so critical yeah, yeah 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 so yeah and i think that's also a little temperamental i, I i've done this now so many times in my life that that's become like a habit mm. but uh, i think putting your hand up is is not a bad career strategy. It's not a bad career strategy, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I was looking at the companies you've started. You've started at least two companies before Shiro's, I think. Uh, yes. So I, I want to talk about Flexi Moms because Flexi Moms seems like something which almost like a precursor to Shiro's. So how, how did you get that idea? And actually, what is Flexi Moms? Right. So uh, actually, before Flexi Moms, my first startup was actually right out of college, uh, was a company called Newslink Services, hmm. which I was the founding team of. So I didn't sort of start the company, but I was the first person on the team. And I built out that company. I, it was, you know, uh, really my, my first startup. And I learned a lot there. And uh, then I went and did, you know, my corporate number worked in Hydrogen struggles and other corporate companies, but uh, Flexi Moms happened for two reasons. When when we set up Flexi Moms, it was just an experiment. I had an existing business called Saita Consulting running. It was a consulting firm to work with tech startups who were scaling up, and that was the first wave of of tech companies growing in India, raising their Series A. You know, right. the first first real rounds of you know scaling up happening in in tech in India. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we set up a company to sort of help entrepreneurs who were typically either market facing or a uh, product facing to to strengthen their internal organizations, uh, okay. communication processes, uh, training, a whole lot of stuff that's very critical for scale, but typically eats up into an entrepreneur's time. Mm-hmm. And that, that that was the business I was running when the idea of Flexi Moms came and it really came from two places. One, as a business owner, you know, every company we work with struggles with talent. I mean, there's, there's no sort of, you know, everybody knows the fact that talent is a, is a, is a big concern. Mm-hmm. And second, really came from the fact that as a small company, you know, we would get a lot of applications. And it was a very curious case for us to say, hey, you know, we're a team of 20, 25 people. But, you know, look at all these really smart women constantly applying to us. And then we realized they're applying to us because they have heard from their friends that we give flexibility. 
you know, mm-hmm. they can work remote or they can sort of, you know, split, split their work day or their, you know, uh, their work hours. And that sort of got me thinking. And that was also the time I had, I was also juggling. I had my daughter around that same time. She was young. She would sort of tag along with me to meetings. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was doing the juggle myself. So it clearly put things in perspective for me to say, hey, you know, look at these really smart women who are out there. But right now they just don't fit in the, on the corporate ladder. You know, it's more of a maze and somehow that alignment's not happening. So flexing was a small experiment to make that happen. Mm-hmm. To say, uh, hey, you know what? They're really smart women out there and, and you know, large number of them who could be very valuable to businesses. And then there are companies, you know, who need them. You know, and Fleximoves is really like a very simple hack. Uh, there was no business model when we launched it. Uh, it was it was just to sort of see what, you know, what happened. So we floated this platform, Yeah. and it just yeah. took off. It just took off, you know, people would just sort of keep signing up and companies found us and, you know, it sort of, you know, went from A to B, you know, conversations started rolling. And then it became like a, you know, unignorable thing. We had to do something about it. So Shiro's is really a, a logical way to set up the same idea into a business, into a more scalable consumer facing uh, and having the life cycle needs of a woman's career. So right. basically, Fleximums was very fixed on, you know, people who had taken a break or who wanted to work flex friendly. But the thing they realized was, you know, career conversations begin when you're very, very young. You know, that, that mindset comes into play when you're when you're actually in college and, you know, getting out of college and so on and so forth. And and various people need various interventions and various kind of support uh, at various times, right? So the idea was to sort of set up an ecosystem so that people could 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 navigate it all by themselves, mm-hmm. you know, build their own mm-hmm. custom version of success. Shiriz is more around that, but Flexi was like a, you know, a starting point. Yeah. So, Sairi, I mean, your idea is great. And I, and as you said, right, that it seems that the idea for Flexi which then has become Shiro's now, you got this idea when you were running your first startup, Saita Consulting, and you started getting these yeah. applications from women who were like yeah. in, in this stage in their life. Uh, what I am curious about though, so from the point of view of, let's say, a first time entrepreneur, what a lot of them run into, the issue that they run into is that, okay, I have an idea, right? Let's say I build something out, but how on that first day, how do I get my customers? Where do I go to get in front of the people where I, who are going to be my potential users? Right, right. So I think, uh, you know, so... Uh, we were a little lucky. We got to sort of use use the whole Fleximoms experiment, and maybe it helped that we had very little expectations. We do, we, we we had no idea what to expect. To be very honest, hmm. but what really worked was that turns out there was a value proposition at the end of the day. And I guess uh, if there is a value proposition, uh, and and there are people who will find it useful to use what you're building, then I think uh, that discovery will happen. You may have to you know, go out and do this. Like for us, uh, just the fact that we put out words like flexible work and work from home and returning professionals, and th- those were the first time somebody in India was using those terms, mm. sort of just set it up for us. And because we got women signing up and applying, companies started, you know, slowly trooping in. You know, they started signing up. So it became became like a little, little system in itself. And I think what we ended up doing was 
seed the category a little bit. You know, I think our real work was not finding the customer, but was to seed the category in terms of saying uh, flexible work is real in terms of, you know, getting women aware of the fact that here is a possibility. You know, and that that was sort of you know the the task of getting getting the first right. few um, users in, uh, customers in, companies in, and uh, and of course from there it has grown, and now of course it's it's like a, yeah once a more once you have system. your customers, but, yeah. but getting getting people to know the value of what you're delivering, I think that's that's a real job of not right. instead of sell that value. Uh, you know whether you can showcase it or you can write about it. Like I remember, I wrote I think an article a week about about flexible work and return professional. So if you sort of you know went into archives about you know literature on the space, I think uh, I I have a hand in sort of seeding some of that. Oh, I see. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, because I go- I was going to ask you that how did you see the category? So uh, yeah. you wrote a lot of articles about flexible work and working from home, etc. Uh, so that's yeah. a great example, and you were writing about one article a week. Yeah, I was, I, I was, and I would actually start my day by just getting online to see where are the women and and talking to women constantly. So I think the other part of seeding was that you know I think as women we are so used to when we log in we are used to basically you know being sold to basically everybody wants to tell us how to look good and how to you know cook well and what to send and children stiffen and you know how to keep a relationship it's very pink content it was for the first time we were talking to women about what they wanted to do their own aspirations the workplace trends so sort of setting it up differently and the thing that really really worked was um, you know we were a small team but all of us were available very hands on so you know women would call us and we would make it a point to talk to them and even now i think if you if you sort of send a mail to heroes uh, we have like 100% response rate you know mm-hmm. even less than 24 hours right uh, and, and those things matter we, you know on our career helpline we work real time uh, five days a week and over weekends we have like a two hour lag but every query is responded to you know and that that sort of set the tone to say hey this is my space in the internet this is where i can go this is where what i can do oh, it's, you know it's and i guess that was part of seeding as well right no this is very very impressive and also i think what's an, another very critical point to note here is that your background is in russian language as you mentioned uh, yes. and you have built basically a tech company or at least it's based on technology with a website and infrastructure and everything so uh you know you didn't have that wasn't something which deterred you, you just you just went out and found some developers to build it out for you Absolutely. So it's very interesting. So not only I have a I have a degree in Russian language, I have an MPhil in international relations. I wrote a thesis on economic transformation of Poland. So <laughs> you know now I look back and laugh about things that I've done. <laughs> but I guess you know they part for the course and they help you sort of build up perspectives. But the my lack of anxiety about building a tech startup also came from the fact that I jumped on the Newslink opportunity. Hmm. Newslink was a tech startup. Okay, and we built. World's first newspaper for marinas. So we built a technology which was way ahead of its time, and I got to manage a tech team very, very early on. You know, and and I was all of 21, 22. I had a tech team, you know, and we were doing this really audacious experiment, and I was growing this team. So I guess a lot of that confidence came from that place of having seen it, having sort of you know run my hands on it, putting my hand up again, sort of work. And now, of course, you know, uh, now we're as consumer internet company as it gets in terms of flavor, in terms of our hiring, in terms of our 
targets and business goals. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really become that. But, uh, you know, just because I did Newslink and we built a product that had two thirds of the market share in the enterprise shipping segment, it just sort of, you know, was, was a great, yeah. great way to sort of, you know, do a step up. And, and for Fleximoms, actually, we didn't hire anyone. We just got a bunch of devs, uh, a small agency to do like a little beta for us. A uh, very, very controlled experiment. And, it, you know, Fleximoms was uh, no product to speak of, really. I mean, I don't think the product had any sort of glory, but the idea had. And, yeah. and of course, now Shiro's is a real product. For sure. Yeah. So th- this is interesting. So I didn't realize Newslink had such an important influence in your life then. So Newslink was a startup that you joined, right? I joined. So yeah. it was a very interesting story. I got a reference from a friend to say, you know, there's this guy in town, Vita Kamran, and he's looking to meet somebody who can speak foreign languages. So okay. I said, great, let me go meet him. I meet him in TGIF in Delhi. And that was the only, you know, the, the pub culture was just about beginning in Delhi. Mm-hmm. And I met him on a, you know, on like, I think, a Friday evening and then uh, he says uh, you know what I have this idea I, you know I've been a shippy all my life and I want to build something that uh, you know sailors can can get news from home or from basically you know it was a it was a shipping industry problem you know when sailors sail they typically would get news from Voice of America radio BBC radio but oh. they would get no news from home so if you were Indian you wouldn't know what's happening in cricket or in stock market or in politics I see. and likewise yeah. for every country okay. so he said I want to solve that because it causes depression in sailors and you know uh, you know my my journey has been great but I've missed home so uh, and I'm looking for somebody to do this and again I was like okay I'll do it you know, <laughs> and I had no idea what that really yeah. meant at that time. But uh, what we ended up doing was we built this product where we would source news from about from about 20, 25 countries. So, you know, every country would, would have an edition. On any given ship, there are about 20, 25 nationalities. So we would sort of source news from these countries, put them in a format, and we built a product which... Ships would connect to us once a day. We would beam via a satellite signal. Uh, and these ships would download it on the deck, print it on the deck, and distribute to the sailors. Oh, wow. And it was a daily... Okay. Yeah. So, 99-2000, way ahead of its time. Uh, we had about two-thirds of the market at that time. It was a subscription service. So, you went to a subscri- uh, shipping company office and you said, oh, you have 45 ships on the seas. Here's a subscription for that. And they would I buy. See. Wow. Uh, okay. and, yeah. So... So Newslink was, you know, a real product company that made money uh, and, of course, served a really, really important purpose. Right. And yes, Newslink still survives. Newslink is around. The company's been bought over like four or five times. Now they have a social network for sailors. So actually, yeah, and that sort of set me up for many, many things. Right. And, I, you know, I, I got to build a team. We built an office in Manila in Cyprus. We had a sales office there. So it was fun. It was wow, fun. That's... And I remember working... 400 days at a stretch, you know, and then one day my office manager came and said, you can't come into work tomorrow. You have to go. You have to go and leave. We can't let you come in. No, I can imagine. But this is such (laughs) a cool story. And by the way, Newslink sounds like a really, really awesome opportunity. And I think the... 
I mean, the company, of course, sounds, I mean, sounds like it did really well. The product was very interesting. It served a real need. Uh, but what is really critical to note in this story is that you learned about this opportunity through someone you knew, right? And and second, you raised your hand. You said yes. I mean, even though you had no idea about technology, what, what would be needed to actually enable this, yeah. you said yes. Yeah. And yeah. those, because I feel for a lot of people, like if you just don't get access to the right opportunities or stuff like this, then yeah. you know then you can't do anything and, but of course you have to show up for for those opportunities to come to you so uh, do you do anything sairi to build your network and get to know more and more people so that you know about these interesting things happening not really so i always believe that we should invest in relationships when we don't need anything from people yeah. you know relationships are no people really right and you know who they are and where they're going and uh, and you know i hate the idea of transactional relationships because they're, then they're not really relationships right mm-hmm. they are just you know transactions and uh, and keeping a sense of openness you know like you know you know having open ended conversations with people knowing who they are i think is is really big part of the story and and in 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 that process you also end up sharing a bit of yourself right so not really like a true networker in the pure sense of the word yeah. but uh, a big fan of you know conversations facetime you know so that's what by saturday the way dear because they really agendaless you know today maybe you know 12 13 people will come and meet me but you know i don't want anything from them you know and while they may want some conversation or mentoring or whatever the expectation from them is zero you know yeah. it's not really because i will get something out of them and yeah. i think uh, over a period of time it's a you know paid forward you know you do it for somebody somebody will do it for you it all works out there is a little you know force balancer somewhere in there Yeah no and I, I think that's a very important point right because I think for a lot of people the reason that they do not like networking and sometimes are even afraid of networking is because yeah. the, it is perceived as this thing that you know so I I have to somehow get something at the end of this conversation oh my god I'm not getting what I yeah. want out of this conversation but if you approach it as just like you know the regular human relationships first of all it's a yeah. lot easier and second it's probably way more enriching and much more helpful quote and quote in the long run absolutely i think it's the process of getting to know people and really you know uh, you know getting to know them in a, in the most authentic authentic way yeah. and and somewhere then connect happen you know when once once there's trust there's credibility you know at the right time right things happen right. and uh, and i totally sort of believe that absolutely so coming back to shiros then uh, i mean now you have 800000 members if you now we remember sorry oh wow <laughs> wow you said million we are yeah over a million members wow yeah no i mean so your numbers are basically increasing every single day which is great yeah, uh, it's, it's, if you were yeah. to think about you know top two to three things that have happened big turning points that have led you to yeah. see the kind of growth that you've seen now what do you yeah. think they would be yeah i think the number one is that we treat it like a community and not transactions again and the fact that we very consume user centricity is at is at heart of shiros you know all of us are trained to basically talk to women so when people walk into shiros whether they walk into tech or sales or community teams the first first real thing they have to know and learn and imbibe is listening in you know voices of the community what are women asking for who are they how can we help them how can we display 
empathy you know how can we really make it their place you know it's basically an exercise in trust and i think that's really our only real strength everything else is a replaceable transaction there are enough job sites there are enough training schools there's enough content i think there's enough of everything right yeah. but there isn't enough empathy and there isn't enough of you know investing in communities relationships offering offering your attention you know attention is a scarce commodity right so i think if if you can put that on the table it changes things <laughs> I mean you make it sound so easy I'm sure there was much more to it because you sound like the kind of person who really makes things happen like you you don't think before saying yes I mean not doesn't sound like a thing too much before saying yes if it sounds like an interesting opportunity and then you and then you have the capacity to actually make things happen because the so, kind of growth you're talking about is really impressive helps and I mean little stubbornness always helps yeah yeah and are there through this journey as shiro's grew was there anything that took you by surprise um actually i think the overall uh, so there have been times when i have thought to myself that you know i could have been more ambitious i should have aimed for more and it's happened two three times in, you know within the short span itself for shiro's and i i i i kind of sense that now and you know now I'm a little more cognizant of that a little more careful but i do feel that sometimes you know we we do do sort of you know underestimate our own capabilities and i think we all do at the response uh but uh, yeah so that that was uh, something that you know i had never imagined i would sort of say to myself at the beginning of this journey mm. uh, because at that point that itself was oh this is good enough yeah actually um if you don't mind sharing what made you feel that way you know so for example we raised uh, i raised a seed round in august 15 and you know almost everybody i wrote to put in money into the business mm-hmm. okay and you know i remember closing a transaction on fb messenger so i you know i wrote to a fellow entrepreneur uh, who runs a really cool company and he said yes and he's like you know i pinged him to say can i get your email id i'm raising and he just had a conversation with me there you know on fb messenger in 5 minutes and he committed an amount and next day i had that money in my bank account uh, <laughs> similarly when you know i wrote to bini bansal on a friday evening hoping that you will hopefully look at it on the weekend bini called me right back had a conversation and made a commitment to me for himself and for Mekin who was one of his colleagues right there you know right. you know so within 24 hours that transaction happened uh i had a conversation with rajan anandan of google who said listen whenever you're raising just let me know you know <laughs> and i'm like okay you know and i wasn't raising it all i didn't even have a business plan i i i didn't think we were ready i didn't think that you know we were there yet but uh but there was so much trust and same thing happened with you know so and we we raised from the most marky angel investors in the country right. you know and we raised it with you know like this like with conversation <laughs> and after this whole thing was done it did occur to me that you know i should have been more ambitious you know i have to value this thing better and you know more and you know not sort of trim down trim down my own ambition right actually that is such a good lesson and for just for our listeners who might not be familiar bini bansal is the founder of flipkart which is the largest e-commerce company in india uh but i mean that is so cool shari actually i mean and for listeners i mean this is such an 
the fact that you can just write to Benny Bunsell and all of these people and just raise money on Facebook Messenger. I mean, this is like a dream story, right? For so many people. <laughs> but uh, clearly, you're making it happen. It's really impressive. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I guess it just, you know, and, and I guess that that goes back to, you know, having relationships when you don't need them. I've known Benny for a while. I've known Girish, who, who closed an FB Messenger for a while. They're fellow entrepreneurs. You know, we've been in the ecosystem and we're sort of silently there for each other. And I guess that's all what matters, right? And that's, you know, that's when a relationship sort of stands up for you and says, hey, you know, I have faith in you or I like what you're doing. And, you know, I want to be part of that, part of that story. Yeah. And that's when authentic things happen. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you were to think about, let's say, five qualities in yourself that you think have, are, have been critical to your success, what would they be? Oh, that's a lot of self-praise, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, um, I think I can focus. I can just like blindly focus on something and go after it. Like I could, I could work for four hundred days at a stretch and not feel bad about it. Like it didn't occur to me that I had, I haven't, you know, taken like a day off in four hundred days, right? So I can just be at it. And even with Shiro's now, like this weekend, my husband and my daughter have gone off to see snow in the hills mm-hmm. and. They were feeling very bad that I'm not coming. But because I had things lined up, I had a full calendar, I just knew I'm not going to go, you know. And and for me, this is par for the course. That's how it rolls. And it's just not an exception or anything. Mm. So, and I can do that. Second is, I think, uh, energy levels. I think, uh, you know, just being able to keep at it, you know, get up every morning and just, you know, get ready, get out of the door and right. do what needs to be done, you right. know. And uh, and I love that. I totally enjoy that. You know that that's who I am. And uh, being able to sort of you know take the day as long as as it needs to be. You know, like last night I was here till about you know nine p.m. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was back here at nine a.m. here this morning. <laughs> uh, so yeah. it's pretty much sort of you know how it rolls. And I guess if you if you're going to be on a mission, if you're going to do something, then uh, you know just sort of signing off a large amount of your time is going to be part of that. And I can do that. I mean, it just sort of has become part of my my training, you know, forever and all. And I can learn. I can really sort of learn new skills. Throw me, throw me a challenge. Tell me you can't do this, and then I will do it. Wow. What's your? <laughs> how do you learn? Like, do you do you read or do you just sort of uh, do it? I uh, I constantly read. You know, I mean, some of you know me on Twitter. The reason I'm on Twitter is because I'm constantly reading. You know, there's mm. so much stuff being shared, and of course, I follow people I have. You know, you know, I I'm interested to learn more from. Uh, you know, people, and there's just so much to learn, right? So, voracious reader, uh, read more online than than real books now, but still read. You know, a, a considerable amount. Do you have any and, favorite uh, blogs, like your go-to places for reading that you'd like to recommend? Uh, actually, I read right pretty much a really, really wide range, right from a back channel to a brain picker to poetry sites to Paris Review to, uh, you know, of course, the usual startup porn sites, tech crunch and the works. Uh, I read it all. You give me anything and I read it all. I mean, it's a really, really wide range, but it's got it's got a whole mix. I read a lot of business, but I read a lot of fitness and health and spirituality like i am a complete uh, completely addicted to mind body green and elephant journal 
uh, love those sites. Uh, absolutely love them. Now I've been checking out Thrive now. Uh, yeah. You know, Ariana Huffington's new venture. And uh, it's just so much, right? And, you know, of course, there's the usual suspects, the HBS and Walter and you yeah. Know, all yeah. of that. And of course, now you have podcasts and you have... Oh, there's so much know, in YouTube podcasts. And yeah. you've just got so much content, right? Yeah. So... To me, those are big. And I guess the other place where I learn is actually from the millennials. You know, I mean, you know, when you're building a product or when you're building stuff for the mobile, really, they know it first. You know, they, they're they more native to it than, you know, I ever will be. Hmm. And every single day, I just learn so much from the product managers here, from our team here, from our design team. You know, I mean, they constantly innovating they're constantly checking on new stuff you know so we're like a little lab in here and uh, and now you know like l- last week i got my daughter a phone she showed me five different apps which i had no idea existed and guess <laughs> what they're all like 50 million plus download kind of apps so wow. i'm like you know yeah. how do you guys find it yeah. or i'm constantly asking my daughter how do you guys discover music right because uh, you know there's no way i find that thing online right or maybe i'm not looking in the right places so i guess there's just so much to go on, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I love it. And I, I, I have seen this thread mainly like third party, like listening to other podcasters and stuff. But so many people who are very successful today read a lot. Like you see Bill Gates and all of these people. Reading is a common thread. And it could be through various or True. more than reading. It's more learning. Like you want to continuously keep learning and growing. Um, yeah. And you were talking about your five qualities. So anything else you'd like to point out? You said focus and ability to work really hard, learn. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what else? Uh, oh, I seem to have run out of qualities. Well, that's, no, but these are, these are amazing but, qualities. Um, okay. I think I'm a positive person. You know, I've had setbacks, but, you know, I find the next optimist string and, you know, pick that up and, you know, get, get me out, out of that mess. Hmm. So I guess keep moving forward, keep moving things like there was a time things were a little slow when my daughter was young and I was in the middle of my business. It was really, really tough. I had no babysitters. I had, you know, two set of parents who were undergoing serious medical stuff. So it was slow, but, you know, it's like even an inch every day will sort of help and just keep at it, keep at it. You'll get out of it, you know. So, So I guess that's worked for me as well. Uh, and fifth is, I think, just having, you know, a list, a list for the universe, you know, things that, that you want to do sort of keeps you going, you know, like a zillion things I want to do, right? I want to set up a yoga retreat, I want to write books, you know, find the right columns, I want to sort of, you know, maybe learn to code. I signed up for a coding site, but never did it. Maybe at some point I'll go back. So I guess, you know, having a little wish list. Yeah, I'll, this is so cool. How do you... Do you, is this a list that you update every every day? Like, how do you maintain this list? So I think uh, some, some of it is written and documented in, you know, bits and places, you know, somewhere on my computer or in my mailbox. But I think most of it is a mental list to say, mm. you know, hey, there's more to life, you know. Like, I have a Facebook page. Like, this morning I was... I posted a video about this, you know, 98-year-old yoga teacher who's just kicking ass and she's really sort of, you know, super inspiring. Mm. And I'm like, when I grow up, I want to be her. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I you have so much energy, Sari, I have to say. It is it is amazing. It's very infectious. It's 11 p.m. for me right now. So that's helpful. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and, and you brought up the morning, right? So you said that you wake up in the morning and you're ready to go. Uh, do you yeah. have any morning routines? Is there anything that you do every morning? Yeah, I do my yoga every morning. It's mm. like a, so I made yoga module. So I have like a seven minute module if I have to catch a flight. Okay. <laughs> and like a 20 minute module for a regular day. And then on weekends, I do like an hour. But I do it every day because I love it. I just find it hugely empowering. And I enjoy my, you know, before I go to bed, I listen to something like a chanting or podcasts. Or I listen to something that's that's uplifting and calming and sort of energizing to me. Um, those rituals, uh, I love them. Uh, so my friends and family laugh at me to say, you're like an old woman, you know, just you just do the thing same day, same way every single day. And I'm like, no, let them be, you know, it works for me. <laughs> no, no, I love morning routine. I love waking up in the morning and making my coffee and writing some random things in my journal. But like, that's yeah. the best part of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, and at some point, uh, so I do want to do more of writing. That's one thing that's still not done yet in a big way. But uh, yeah, I guess once you have lists, then you can take them off. Right. Okay. All right, Sari, this was, uh, honestly, this was so wonderful. Is there any last bit of advice you'd like to share with uh, young professionals, people who are still relatively young in their careers? And also, also, especially for women, I think that would also be interesting to hear from you. Absolutely. So I think my only advice or consideration would be don't box yourself. We as human beings are, you know, we we, we become our own little, you know, stereotype. We, we put barriers which are sort of unseen for ourselves. Uh, anyone can do anything. Really. You know, it's a wide open world out there. And sometimes, you know, we have to make space for the new to come in by throwing out the old and some you know and we all go through those transitions whether it's about you know quitting a corporate job to starting up to you know maybe finding the courage to go back to college or to learn a new skill or to sort of you know put your ego aside and say i'll be i'll be a new fresh person tomorrow morning but, but uh, just don't box yourself you know there's there's so much of joy and beauty and growth out there i, I think it's just amazing yeah, and I, and I love your message of investing in yourself and continuing to learn. That is uh, so, so helpful. And if people continue to do that, I mean, who knows what can happen? Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Sherry. I hope you enjoy at least a little bit of your weekend. It's okay yeah. to take some time off. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, really enjoyed talking to you and love what you're doing. Thank you, Sherry. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Alright, so that was Sairi. I really hope that you enjoyed today's discussion. And of course, as always, if you have any questions at all for Sairi or for me, you can email us at hello at learneducatediscover.com. If you enjoyed today's discussion, you should subscribe to the podcast. Simply go to the website at learneducatediscover.com where you find links to the directory on iTunes if you're iPhone users and SoundCloud and Stitcher if you're Android users. You can tweet at us at LED underscore curator and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and until the next one. Bye-bye.